Hi, it's Leon Dolan, and my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical, is out now and available everywhere. People Magazine chose it as an April pick of the month, one of the best this week, a hopeful take on commitment, they said, and an innovative story about marriage. Mmm, sounds juicy. The Marriage Sabbatical, out now, available everywhere. Hi, this is Julie. This is Liz. This is Sheila. This is Monica. This is Leanne. We are the Satellite Sisters. You are listening to Satellite Sisters to Go. We are the Satellite Sisters. Welcome to the show, and not just the show. This is our first show of 2013, and I believe, sisters, kind of a dramatic comeback for us. So this is Liz Dolan. I'm here in Santa Monica. I'm joined on the line. Julie Dolan, you're in Dallas, Texas. Woo-hoo! Yes, Liz. I'm here. Okay. Monica Dolan. Monica Dolan, you're in Portland, Oregon. In the house. I'm here, ready to kick off the new year. And it's possible that we could be hearing from Sheila Dolan, whose Skype handle is Annabelle Needle. Sheila's having a few technical difficulties. She is uh, having a little trouble unmuting her microphone. So (laughs) the moment she figures out how to unmute her microphone, she could just bust right into this show. Or we'll troubleshoot it during the week, and we will have Annabelle Needle next week. How's that, sister? Is everybody cool with that? I think that's a good idea, Liz. So this is our first show of 2013. Obviously, we we missed a few weeks at the end of 2012 there, but we are really, really excited to be back. And I was thinking about, I mean, 2013, our first show ever, for those of us who... of those of you who have not been on the whole Satellite Sisters journey, shall we call it, uh, our first show ever was April Fool's Day 2000. Isn't that crazy when you think about mm-hmm. it, that we are coming up on our 13th anniversary? I feel very lucky, Liz, and fortunate. So I think it's good. I think it's a good sign. 13 can be a lucky number. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not so it's far. It's worse. 2012. Exactly. Yeah, that, that's true, Monica. <laughs> exactly. So we're moving on. Here we are. Brand new season, the season of 2013. You know, yesterday, because I'm planning a little Golden Globes soiree this afternoon, Ooh. I, Ooh. I love these shows that start at 5 p.m. Which oh, means- it, it, it's just one of the best reasons about living on the West Coast, Liz. <laughs> I, when I saw it started at 4 p.m., the red carpet's at 3, I am yeah. set for <laughs> Me too. So I invited a couple of friends over for viewing, and then I thought, well, I'll have some healthy dinner, because it is, like, still January, so you still have to eat well, right? Um, So I was at Marmalade yesterday ordering a few things, and you guys have been to Marmalade many times. It's the little gourmet shop right on Montana here in Santa Monica, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's wonderful. I don't think I've ever come to Santa Monica without uh, stopping at Marmalades or eating some of Marmalade food at either your home or mom and dad's home when yep. they lived in Santa and, Monica. And it's consistently delicious, is it not? Yes, it is. So another thing we like about Marmalade, besides like the good food and the ultra convenience, is that it's actually run by two sisters. I don't know if you guys ever talk to them, but I'm in and out of there a lot more often than you are. Um, so yesterday I was, as I was ordering food for tonight, because I was not, I thought their poached salmon would really turn out better than mine if I attempted that. Um, good thinking, Liz. Good thinking. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> So I'm talking to one of the sisters, not the one that I normally talk to, and I gave her my name, and she said, oh, that's right, right. you're one of the Satellite Sisters. 
I used to listen to your show every Saturday driving into work. And I, which is, okay, now that's going way back, right? Because that's about 100 years ago, Liz. Yes, indeed. Because that's when we were on KABC. We were on nationally on Saturday mornings, but KABC was our home station. And we were on 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. every Saturday. So she would listen to us every Saturday on her way into work. And she's like, where are you guys now? I'm like, well, it's a weekly podcast, and we have hundreds of shows on iTunes. So you can just go listen there. And she's like, hmm. I can't really do the podcasting thing. I'm like, really? It's not that hard. She's like, it just seems so complicated. No, I can't, you know, can't you just come back on the the radio? I'm like, yeah, well, that didn't quite work out for us. But, (laughs) and then I said, really? Like, Running your own business is easy, but podcasting is hard. I I tried to give her this little pep talk. Like, if you have a smartphone, you just download an app, try something like Stitcher. We could just be right there for you all the time. It's really, here you are running a super complicated business, and you have all kinds of customers, and you're doing the finance and the ordering, and really. So I just want to put that message out for 2013. Obviously, those of you listening have conquered your fear of podcasting, but I suspect you have many friends who are still afraid. So I would like to empower you to go out and teach your friends that podcasting is their friend, that because there are no good shows left on the radio anymore, if they want to listen to anything fun, they are going to have to learn how to listen to a podcast. Wouldn't you say, sisters like Monica, you enjoy listening to a lot of other shows? Oh, yeah, I, I download a whole bunch of podcasts, and when I'm driving in my car, that's all I listen to. Then it's no commercials, and I save up the stuff that I can't hear during the week. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I have like four or five podcasts that I listen to regularly. Yeah, me too. And Julie, have you gotten to that point yet? Yeah, or? I, well, of course I listen to Chaos Chronicles, uh, our true. sister Leanne's podcast. And um, yes, and I enjoy having that on when I'm just puttering around home. Yes. Yeah. So, so the future of this whole thing for us is to bring more people into podcasting. And I think, so just please coach your friends. It's not that intimidating. It's so super easy if you have a good phone now. So I just want to say that. So the Marmalade Lady really made me think a lot about how there are some really smart, accomplished women out there that think they can't possibly conquer podcasting. And you can't. Okay, it's not as hard as it used to be. The other thing I wanted to mention is that uh, Shelly sent us an email uh, that she listens to us running, and she was hoping we would come back for 2013. It's just one of, like, really many, many nice messages we got in December from all of you saying we're wishing you well, looking forward to, to you coming back. And she said she also has a father who has Alzheimer's, so she listens with particular sensitivity because, as she said, I know I will be on a similar journey. So uh, Shelly said, I look forward to hearing lots of podcasts in 2013. So here we are, Shelly, for you and for lots of the other people that wrote in. Uh, we're going to do our best to 2013. It's, it's a new page, right? We're just starting fresh, and our thir- we're going to make our 13th anniversary uh, a big, big year. Sure. And hopefully we can ramp up the fun this yes, year. Yes, yes. <laughs> maybe, that, maybe that should be my motto. <laughs> ramp up the fun? Ramp up the fun. I, 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 that, Monica, I think it would look good on a bumper sticker, too. <laughs> All right, go for it. Monica, you're first. Speaking of fun, you know, Liz, I didn't have a chance to tell you that uh, 
I was in, I went to Dallas last weekend to see dad and my brother Dick and I went, my brother Dick lives in central Oregon. So that was nice. We could fly from Portland. We haven't seen our father in months. Julie has been taking care of him every day. You know, he's in a nursing home right around the corner from her house, but she is his daily contact and everything that has happened in our lives. We just haven't had a chance to go see him. So Dick and I went to see him last weekend and we just had a wonderful, wonderful weekend with him. Julie, thank you so much for hosting us. And of course, thank you for just taking care of dad every day. It's, it's amazing that what you're, what you're doing with him. And I just was so happy that Dick and I got a chance to be with him when he was alert. Uh, he was very excited to see us. I think he maybe thought Dick and I were a couple in life (laughs) because he kept (laughs) <laughs> but that's okay. I mean, you know, that's, that's right. I mean, I, I we're brother, we are brother and sister, but he, dad kept taking our hands and putting them together and kissing them. And, uh, you know, he can't talk very much anymore. Just a few simple words, but I could see that he could follow the conversations. We were telling funny stories. He was laughing. Julie, it was just a very, very positive visit for Dick and I to see dad like that. You know, you know we should tell our satellite sisters that um, our dad is in hospice. Um, and we have been advised by the hospice nurses that this would be a good time for family members to come. And Liz, you've come. Uh, many other family members have come or are planning to come. Um, and I think, you know, it is, you know, I think it's good because dad is still can appreciate the visit and you certainly can have some very sweet time with dad at the end of his life. And that, you know, there's no doubt, Monica, that, um, that that's what happened last weekend. He was, he really gets up for it. You know, it's the thing he loves best in life is his family and listening to conversation. Uh, and even though he can't, as you said, really speak, he just enjoys participating however he can. Mm-hmm. And it was also good for me to, you know, I, I haven't really seen where he's been living. And so now I can picture it. And now when I think about him, I can think about what his life is like every day. And, you know, certainly the cast of characters at the nursing home. <laughs> and there, are, there are some characters there, there in, some in, characters. His, in his unit. I mean, just, you know, God bless those people that take care of people in nursing homes because they have a lot of patience. And I could see that everyone there was just very loving. I mean, no matter where we went, you know, dad was kind of tooling around in his little wheelchair. He paddles around with his feet and grabs onto things. Everyone's like, how, how you doing, Mr. Dolan? How you doing today? Hey, Mr. Dolan. You know, it was just a very, very friendly, warm place. And, uh, I just really enjoyed the visit, Julie. It was very oh. fun. And I've never really been to your home in Dallas. <laughs> I know, Marika. I know. And I'd, like to, I'd like to apologize. I mean, you sent all those nice invitations to me for many Thanksgivings and come at Christmas, and I never really made it down there. And now um, I, I regret that because I can see you. You have a lovely home. Julie's was- got a nice operation going there, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah. Very nice. Oh, yeah, it's more than, it's a bed and breakfast. I mean, 
She serves a hot breakfast on Sunday. I like that, Julie. And you have a coffee bar all set up for your guests. And, you know, I mean, of course, the best thing is that your your children and your grandchildren live right around the corner and come over. And it's just a really beautiful house. And it's just nice to be there. It was very, very fun for Dick and I. Well, we, you know, I, I loved it too. And it was great for me. You know, it was a real boost of Liz, when you came to visit and certainly when Monica and Dick came to visit, I mean, it's, it's a boost because, um, you know, I think anyone who does caregiving knows that, you know, some days are easier than others. And, uh, and, you know, I think with Alzheimer's is we just don't know where this is going. You know, I mean, we know our dad is declining, but we don't really, you know, it's it's hard to predict what it's going to be. So there's a lot of uncertainty. There's, you know, there's plenty of times when you, you know, you want to get sad about it. And then so that's the bittersweet thing. It was so great to have you visit. And, uh, you know, it was sort of an unusual grouping, you know, brother, sister, but I loved it, you know, and, and maybe dad did think you were, you were a couple. I don't know, but he, that's okay. he but that's okay. You know, he knew that you loved him and that he knew that, you know, you were part of his, you know, you were, you were his people. And that, that was great. Um, Monica and Liz, uh, you, you both stayed in one of the guest rooms upstairs. And as part of the guest room, I was touting the fact that it had a TV in it. And Liz, I know you enjoyed some TV watching. I did because you- I was there New Year's Eve and we kind of retired early. So I yes. had to celebrate upstairs alone with my TV. <laughs> so, of course, when Monica came, I was just touting this as a feature of the guest room. <laughs> right, because was, I was the next, next guest that checked into that room. Yes. Shortly right. after you checked out, Liz. Uh-oh. Well, and so I was just, I was making a big deal about, Monica, you can lie in bed, you can watch TV, it's going to be great. Well, lo and behold, the next morning, Monica, you came down and I said, oh, did you enjoy watching TV? And you said you were not not able to get anything going on the TV. So, okay. Liz, I was working that remote, and I know the way it is with remotes, once you start pressing buttons wildly on the remote you are not going to get (laughs) yes we've all experienced that and and i i maybe you didn't need this but julie left a little laminated card up there that had instructions for the tv and the remote you know that came with the remote so i i tried to reset i was up in the middle of the night i was moving furniture (laughs) unplugging the tv and the irony is I don't like to watch TV in bed. I don't really care. I just didn't want to be blamed for screwing up the remote on the TV. And I didn't know how I was going to tell Julie's husband the next day. I was pressing buttons wildly. I was unplugging things, resetting things. Nothing, nothing worked. Okay, well, Liz, I just want you to know, she concluded that you had screwed up the remote. <laughs> I, could, I could see that's where this was going. <laughs> that that she well, was... if we looked back to who the last guest had been in that room using the remote, and yeah, it, it was you, Liz. So I figured it, it was you. If, I mean, if, if I screwed it up, then how was I possible? How was it possible that I saw Anderson Cooper and Kathy Griffin ring in the new year? Obviously, it was working for me. Well, all I can tell you is that we had we had Direct TV on the phone. Someone had pressed the input button, so that's what there. Somebody had screwed up the remote. So you two can somebody. discuss them yourselves 
who did, who did it. But we have it back working again. So the guest room is open, ready for operation with a working television. But you too, when you come back, you might have to have separate, separate instructions. Your husband might have to give us a little refresher course. Is that it? That would, that would be fine. Yes, yes. And as for Sheila, I'm going to put her in another room. She is never getting in the room with the remote control. Yeah, let's wait for her to unmute her Skype button first, and then we'll move on to more uh, to bigger challenges. So, and Monica, all your transit back and forth to Dallas was good because there's been so much bad weather. That was fine. Uh, uh, well, the trip home was kind of long, and Julie, thank goodness, another thing Julie did for me this year was she turned me on to Homeland. The TV oh, okay. show, which I know is one of Julie's favorite shows. I do not get the premium channels at my house. So I Julie was trying to explain what Homeland was all about. Mm-hmm. And so for my trip to Dallas, I downloaded all of season one to have on my computer. And I'll tell you, you watch the pilot of that show, you are hooked. Yes. It is such a good show. Now I know why it won the Golden Globe last year and will win again tonight, and Claire Danes will win again tonight. So I'm totally hooked on Homeland. So on the way home, I had like three more episodes of Homeland to go. I was actually excited about getting on the plane so I could watch it. Because you couldn't watch any television. (laughs) And of course, I was like stuffed in the middle seat in the back. So... I watch a couple episodes, very enjoyable, but of course my laptop, the battery dies, you know, and then I am just staring straight ahead. I am in no man's land. I have nothing to read. I have no backup. I look over at the woman next to me and she has a whole stack of magazines and one of them is Woman's World. (laughs) So did you start cozy couching it? Sheila's favorite. Oh, I so a bright green cover. The the headline was like melt away twenty seven pounds this month. I was like, I need to read that article right now. And then right next right next to it was the giant Snickers bar bunt cake that you can make just mm-hmm. dripping with chocolate. So she saw that I was desperate. She said, would you like a magazine? I said, I would really like to read Women's World. So Liz, post the couch all the way home. Oh, my God. It was so enjoyable reading that magazine for free. I, I don't think I've ever seen that happen where someone purchases a copy of Woman's World <laughs> as opposed to just reading it in the grocery line and putting it back in the rack. But to purchase it and carry on a plane is quite a commitment. You you really, that's a lucky 13 I moment. Lu- yeah, I lucked out. She had Women's World. She had People Magazine. She had Us Weekly. And she had like Ladies something, some other magazine wow. that you is on really a par with Women's movie. World. So... I it was it was the luckiest seat on the plane. You're right, Liz. Okay, lucky thirteen. Our new theme for this year. So, all right. Well, I'm glad that the travels all went well and that everybody is now home where they started, at least for this part of the year. So, Julie, you are you know you're right now bearing the brunt of the caregiving in our family. But I was happy when we connected first thing this morning that for today's show, under the theme of let's ramp up the fun, you <laughs> you actually have what I'm calling a trifecta of tidbits, just fun right. stories you wanted to share with us. 
Yes, I do, Liz and Monica, and I want to start off with Charles. Um, this is a Labradoodle from Norfolk, Virginia. Now, maybe, perhaps you have seen this dog because he became an internet sensation this week, and I have to say, Charles made my week. Uh, this is this was what helped ramp up my fun this week. He's he's a Labradoodle, so we all know what that looks so like. So they're fun. They're fun, but his owner in Norfolk, Virginia. Um, uh, cut his hair so that he looks like a baby lion. Ooh. So we had him groomed in such a way where, he, you, know, he sh you know, the back of him was all shaved off. He had a puffy tail, and they left his the front of him like a big mane, you know, like a lion's mane. <laughs> so, so, it's, so you can go online, and you can see this labradoodle that looks like a lion. Well, okay, in Norfolk, Virginia, well, apparently Charles is, like, running around in the neighborhood, the 911 calls start co coming in, okay? That, that people are reporting that there is a baby lion. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. That's okay. fun. <laughs> well, Monica and Liz, you've both been to my neighborhood, and I just would like to say that here in Texas, if this, you know, Labradoodle looking like a lion was running around in my neighborhood, that it would have been shot, right. shot mounted, and hanging in someone's family room. Uh, <laughs> There's that, no is, doubt. that is harsh, but true. No, but it is true. I mean, it's just a sportsman's, you know, uh, paradise here. And if they saw something that looked like a baby lion, I think that's what people would do. But anyway, in Norfolk, Virginia, they called 911. And so there were all these reports, you know, uh, and you can listen to the 911 calls of people saying, hey, I, 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 I think I see a baby lion come running around in the neighborhood. Oh, that is funny. Near the zoo. And so they thought perhaps a baby lion did, in fact, get out of the zoo in Norfolk, Virginia. But uh, no, indeed, he's just a dog that his owner, you know, um, he, they, they apparently have a mascot, my, mascot at Old Dominion University that is a lion. And so he, um, in support of the university, he wanted his labradoodle, or his labra lion, as he calls him, <laughs> to look like uh, the school mascot. Okay, so we can find this on YouTube if I want to get a gander of this dog. That's it was on the Today Show. Yeah, the dog yeah, was on the Today yeah, Show. Yeah. Okay. But it, it did set off sort of a flurry of, of, you know, back and forth between Labradoodle owners um, that I was monitoring, that some people thought this was cruel and dangerous. I, I don't know if those people all lived in Texas and were worried about the, the fate of the dog. I thought it was kind of cute. I don't see any harm in that, having a dog that looks like a lion. What do you think, sisters? I'm not a big fan of that. They're one of my neighbors who I see whenever I walk Ferris in the morning, I run into a neighbor who has a little dog, like one of those 10-pound dogs, like not quite a papillon, a little bit bigger than that, a little bit fluffier than that. But And she... Did also groomed the mini dog to look like a lion for Halloween, but it includes, so it's sort of like, but yeah, I love that Liz. It's me. It's ramping up my fun, but it also, she, she, hers included a dye job. So all of the fur around the dog's face, like the lion's mane was dyed bright orange and the uh -huh. tail was dyed bright orange. And it was kind of shocking when you first saw it, this tiny little, not, it didn't look like a baby lion. It looked like a fully grown lion, but one of those mini versions, like, like those mini giraffes you can buy on the internet. It kind of looked like that. And, uh, I saw her again this morning. It's Sunday morning as we record this and 
the dye still is not completely out of the dog's hair all these months later. But the dog seems unharmed by it. So I just, mm, I have mixed feelings about that. But I, for me, the step that is too far is dogs in costumes. I, I'm not a fan of forcing your dog to dress up in costumes. Uh, I, I'm the same way. But anyway, I think you will enjoy. You'll you'll have some fun this week if you check out the Labra Lion. Um, he seems, he looks pretty happy to me. Uh, moving on to my next tidbit. Uh, I, I mean, I, I know you might have missed the Labra Lion, but I am sure you have not missed the new portrait that was unveiled this week of Princess Kate. Oh, my God. I saw that. I think I saw that also in a supermarket line. Monica, did you see that? Uh, someone, there's a, a woman I work with who lived in England for many years, and she's quite a royal watcher herself. She's one of those people that got up in the middle of the night, as I did, to see the wedding. So she gasped. And well, it, it looks like a death mask. And it looks she, like she called, she called me and she said, you have to see this. This is Kate's official portrait. I mean, she looks like Someone tried to age her 15 years. She looks older, fatter. It looks like she has been eating fried food and smoking for about 20 years, right? We did not approve of that portrait at all. No, I, I agree. Okay, there's only one word. Camilla. She's behind it. That's what I think. That she somehow got to this official portrait artist and said, you better not make Kate look any better than, you know, than me. Because she looks like Camilla. In the, it's like, <laughs> right? Isn't it? Isn't that it? She just looks, it looks more like she is in a wax museum and you took a picture of the wax figure. That's I, what I thought. Like they put her in the Madame Tussauds thing and this is the picture of that. And poor Kate had to stand up there and say she was thrilled with the portrait and that her family is thrilled with the portrait. You know she's not. It's just that that family, that family. You see what they're doing to poor Princess Kate. Anyway, uh, I hope you... You predicted it. I know. Julie's policy has always been never marry a Windsor, if you can possibly avoid it. (laughs) So anyway, so poor Kate, she has this horrible picture that's going to hang for ages in the portrait gallery in London. I feel very sorry for her. I just... I just don't know what she can do. She's got that mother-in-law to be, Camilla, you know, who just wants to be queen and is doing everything to put Kate down. So that's, <laughs> that's, that's it. Okay, third tib- tidbit. And this, um, Liz, I need your particular marketing expertise. That, here's some story that caught my eye. It's uh, that a number of large chains, Walmart, Walgreens, um, are taking up a trend that started in New York City at the famous West Side Market. Liz, you know this. It's a, it's a very famous grocery store on the Upper West Side in New York. And on, at the West Side Market, they have something called a man aisle. Ooh. These, this is an aisle, grocery store aisle. Where you find men? <laughs> <laughs> nice, Monica. No, no, no. This is where men can shop where it has items that men want to buy, like Doritos, beef jerky, that it has large bottles of water. Um, That's what's stocked in this grocery store. Um, But um, Walmart and Walgreens are intrigued with this, and now because we have a recession and that many in many households 
households, men are taking up the grocery shopping because they don't have jobs, they have time to go to the store. Stores are beginning to rethink how, how they stock certain items or where they place it and, and are considering putting in some of these men aisles or man aisles. Now, when I heard this, first of all, my first thing was I was a little bit sad. I have to say that. I was like, you mean all these years that all the women have been doing, slugging those giant grocery carts every week we go to the grocery store, we get all the food, and we've never gotten gal aisles, have we? No, we have not, Julie. We have not gotten that. So now men during the recession, oh, they have to do a little more grocery shopping. So all of a sudden now they need their own world, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Not that I have any issues, but that's sort of my initial thought. But then then I started to ask um, my husband. I said, would you like a man aisle? And he said, yes. He said, that would be nice. And I said, what would you like in it? And he said, I'd like bacon and batteries. Dainty more beef stew. A blue cheese. He said those, those are the items that blue he would... Cheese. <laughs> Extension cords. <laughs> yeah, so Liz, you're the expert, Mark. What do you think about the idea of man? Well, I, I mean... I, I love the idea conceptually because, like any marketer, is only ever trying to figure out how can we make you happier, right? How can we do more of what you want? And if men are um, not fans of going to the grocery store because there's just too much stuff there, like they don't want to go down all those aisles. They don't even think about those product categories. And you could just do one, like, express lane for men. That's like if you're just trying to serve them – that's an excellent idea. However, if the men are really in charge of the family shopping and you train them to only shop the express lane for men, whoa, I feel sorry for your family. That is going to get rough. Sooner or later, the uh, nutritional value of what's coming home is just going to keep dropping and dropping and dropping. So that would be the long-term implication for the American family, I think. <laughs> but, but say there was a women's aisle. That's such an interesting exercise. What would you want on your aisle, Julie? Like an express aisle for Julie Dolan would contain what combination of items? Well, it would have Greek yogurt, number one. That would be there. What I was thinking was Chobani, like a giant (laughs) wall of yogurt. Yeah. And cottage cheese. Uh Cottage cheese. I like those Weight Watcher cheese sticks and Weight Watchers fudge pops. I mean, I have sort of a limited thing. And then some produce. I would definitely want produce on it. And um, some sliced turkey. And I'm good to go, Liz. (laughs) Yeah, for me, that same list, but maybe also some uh, salsa. Uh, cause you need that on everything. Yes. Uh, bottles of white wine. Exactly. You need your white wine selection, you know, maybe both Sauvignon Blanc and Chardonnay cause you know, you need a little bit of a selection. Uh, and then what else would I really need? I think as long as you had some good fresh some vegetables magazines. There. Liz, we'd want magazines on our gal aisle, wouldn't we? <laughs> we'd want some women's world, us magazine, people magazine. Yeah. we'd want. Oh, oh and I would also need dog treats. I would need chicken jerky. For the pooch. So, uh, you know, because you feel guilty when you come home and it's all for you and nothing for the dog. So, um, now if somebody wants to design that for me, uh, I'm, I'll happily go down that express Liz aisle. So, so I like it for me. But I don't shop for anyone except for my dog. So it's easier. Good idea, though. Monica, what would be on your aisle? Just the same thing that Julie listed? Uh, yeah, Chobani. Well, yeah. Chobani, definitely fresh fruits. 
and spinach because I love spinach and I think women need to eat spinach. But I'm going to need some paper products on that aisle. I just got to tell you, I'm going to need some toilet paper and some tissues on that aisle. Uh, yeah. I just think, you know, I buy, like everyone, I buy the same thing every week. So I think nice chicken breasts, women would enjoy some chicken breasts on the aisle. Um, and uh, cleaning products, just mm-hmm. a few. Uh, okay. All right. Um, yeah. So there you have it, Julie. I think that there, there could be a lot of potential. And maybe that's why people like shopping online because you just have the same list there and you check it over and over again. Uh, all right. Your trifecta of tidbits. Anything else you want to add on that? No, those were it, Liz. Those were my three big stories for you this week. <laughs> I like the fact that you have time to think about those things. I think that's a good sign. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Well, now that we've turned the page into 2013, What I was working on, instead of like an actual New Year's resolution, was more, I feel like we've all been through this, all the sisters, because our mother was so ill and then passed away and and our father is still very seriously ill, is that I felt like the last six months of 2012, I was just kind of in limbo, you know? I'm sure you guys know that feeling. Yes. Yes, I do, Liz. It's just been a blur. And nothing has been normal for me. Nothing in my life. You know, that's really an interesting observation because I noticed, I guess, like thinking about it over New Year's, even the things that I could have done for myself, that I would normally do for myself, I I seem to just like abandon the things that were even part of my normal routine. So, you know, like taking, I don't know, taking vitamins, why did I stop taking vitamins just because mom was sick? I don't know, but I did, you know, or like the exercise thing kind of makes more sense because we just, mom you didn't would, have time. I didn't yeah. have time and mom was here in my home and all of that. But so I decided that my main goal for 2013 was going to be to like, just unplug a lot of these things or what just some baby steps towards getting out of limbo even though on the horizon you know we know we're still dealing with a you know a medical crisis with our father but I can't just like sit around and wait so much so so I thought okay I'm just gonna a little bit of an emotional and a physical dig out was the way to get to just to get on baby steps is what Sheila would say so uh one of my first baby steps is you guys know that um Everyone was in and out of my home a lot this fall, and the guest bedroom was just getting increasingly filled up with junk, wouldn't you say? Oh, gosh. Lisa, you could have been on an episode of Hoarding. <laughs> really, it was borderline hoarding. Well, I, they're just, people left things in that room. Yes, there were a lot of... Was the, junk. Yeah, it was. It wasn't all. Some of it was my stuff. Some of it was stuff for visitors. Some of it was additional medical equipment that we had because mom was here. So, so in the massive like dig out for 2013, uh, like obviously I got rid of a lot of that stuff. But I also, and I think this is emotionally very symbolic, which is why I wanted to share it with you, sisters and people that have been listening for a long time. You know that I have my famous world's most extensive collection of power cords, right? Yes, you do. Yes. I have power cords to every computer I ever owned, every phone charger I ever owned. For some reason, 
I was hoarding power cords. Well, I'm here to announce they're gone. They're all out. I threw them all out. All my power cords. It went into the alley. Santa Monica has this dramatic recycling program. Or pretty much, <laughs> you put it's it in the amazing. put it in the alley besides your building, and somebody is going to want it, and they just take it. So Liz, that is such a huge step for you. You're just freeing yourself. Of, you're yep. never going to find the thing that went to that power cord. Right. Uh, right. <laughs> for, you you kept them for so many years. Yep. And you just. You had boxes of them. It was like a museum in there. I, I mean, Liz, I, I congratulate you for getting rid of them. You know what? And as big, so some of them were in boxes. Some of them were in my desk drawers. In my desk drawer, I also I found another historical artifact. I'm reaching it now because I haven't known what to do with this. I actually found some unused traveler's checks. <laughs> like, when was the last time? You bought traveler's checks. Like, are they 1992. I assume they're still good, Julie. I mean, don't they last forever? Uh, I I don't know, but these, so they're, they're dated. I actually bought them in 2004, believe it or not. And as I do the math and figure out, this is that trip when I went off to Zambia in the fall of 2004. Apparently, I bought traveler's checks, so I got, you know, I got like 150 bucks here just as a bonus for, get, for getting rid of all my power cords. I found $150 worth of traveler's checks. But now I'm too, like, where would I even take these to cash them? I don't know. Maybe the nice lady at Marmalade will take them today when I go to, uh, to pick up the, the poached salmon. So I found some traveler's checks, so I did that. Um, this week, I also, um, I got a flu shot. <laughs> All right, finally, and under the wire, now that you've heard that, you know, it's a pandemic in this country, you're like the last person in America to get one, but good for you, Liz. That's what I was thinking, Monica, like, is it still even useful? Yes, it is. It's still useful. Really? Okay, because all fall... Mom kept bugging me to get a flu shot, and forever, for whatever reason, I guess for the same crazy reason I was not taking vitamins, I also did not go get a flu shot. So I got a flu shot this week. Then I, you know, somehow, not surprisingly, in the last uh, four or five months, I managed to, to regain all of the weight I had lost and kept off for four or five years. So that's kind of the speed bloating or something. <laughs> I, I didn't even know that was physically possible. Well, I, it, was, it, was, it was eating a lot of Monica's homemade, what was that, potato and bacon soup that you were yeah, cooking? Yeah, we had the potato. We had some high-calorie items that your right. house was Trying to get mom to eat anything. So there was a lot of good food moving through your house, Liz. So yes, and I think it's clear that I was eating a lot more of it than mom was. And uh, so anyway, I decided, okay, you got to nip that in the bud, right? Like once you get on... Speed bloating. <laughs> once you get on that slippery slope, like really another four years could go by, and then you're twice the weight you are now. So yeah. the um, uh, so I rejoined my program at UCLA in the nutrition department there. Oh, for you, good, Liz. Yes. Thank you. That's I, a big step. It is. Okay. A, I mean, I had been going every Saturday for four years. And then in September, I just stopped because all hell broke loose. But, right. like, so I'm back. And, ooh, I did some damage <laughs> during that time. So, so the bad news is when I got on the scale, that was super bad news. But the good news is... They did one of those BMI tests, you know, but the ones with the electrodes, you know, so they measure, they measure your lean muscle mass versus the fat on your body. 
Mm-hmm. And so the last measurement was four years ago when I started. And even though I put on like almost all of the weight I lost four years ago, mm-hmm. somehow in that four years, I have also put on 20 additional pounds of lean muscle mass. All right, Lou. So it's the kind of thing you read about in a magazine. They tell you you're supposed to do that because it will make you, it will make it easier for you to lose the weight when you try to lose the weight. But miraculously, apparently I did that. That is, so right at the time of my life where they always tell you you're losing muscle mass, like in your 50s, you know, you're losing muscle mass and putting on more fat. So I feel like I'm going to be able to jumpstart this even more easily than I would have hoped. So that was a miraculous piece of data, which I only would have gotten if I had gone back to the official program, right? Way to go, Liz. Yeah. Rather than trying to just do it by yourself. Right. The sort of white knuckling it through, you know, I don't know. I'm not really that good with deprivation. But then when, but then when they give me a little bit of data that is highly motivating like that. Okay. So I did that. And that, oh, and the final undoing for that, the, what really triggered me to do that is I went out with some friends for dinner on uh, Tuesday night. And I never ordered dessert, but one of my friends did. And maybe this is a nationwide trend, but it's certainly a trend in Los Angeles, is the whole concept of mini donuts for dessert. Do you guys see that in Dallas and Portland? That that's I've, like, seen, I've, yeah, seen, it, I've seen the mini donuts. Yeah, yeah. Very popular. Yeah. They even have them. There are a couple of places where they have like mini donuts for breakfast. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So the mini donuts for dessert, I never in a million years would have ordered them, but I managed to eat several. And I was like, <laughs> oh, come on. I don't even like donuts that much. So so that was just the trigger. That was I needed. the rock bottom, the mini donuts. <laughs> yes, place. that was it. That's. That's what they call it, the, the rock bottom. And then, um, and then one last thing I did on my punch list for 2013, which I actually accomplished right at the end of 2012. And Monica, you saw this because we had a few days together in Oregon over Christmas, and we skied together for a day. Mm-hmm. I finally bought a helmet. I thought, oh, yes. I thought, you know, given the kind of year we had in 2012, this was going to be the year of the head injury for me. <laughs> That, that was exactly what she said to me. <laughs> there's, there's not much I can do to protect myself from these random things that happen in the world. That's certainly one of the lessons of 2012. But at least a helmet um, when I'm skiing would be a step forward. So I bought a helmet in 2013, 2012 for 2013, and I, it made me laugh. I think it was this week I noticed that when, when Hillary Clinton went back to work, did you see oh, that? Her, Did you see that her, her staff helmet. presented yeah. her with a helmet? Yeah. So, a helmet now is the symbol for me of 2013. Just trying to like protect yourself against the things that you can protect yourself against. So, so those are my little baby steps. So I'm uh, like, so the only thing that did not go that well, like this morning, I'm I can barely move because I think I overdid yesterday. On top of many of these things that I accomplished, I went to a hot yoga class yesterday. <laughs> Oh no, Liz! I know it was a bridge too far. It was, no. it was. So uh, I'm a little bit sore. Not sure when I'm going to try that again. But I just thought I needed something different in the future. Instead Sometimes of- that's right. So you just you do need variety. Mm-hmm. You know, change. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, Zumba, I- Liz. That's my word for you. Zumba. You yeah. could bump up your fun a lot if you did Zumba. 
you know, they have a Zumba class at work, like one day a week after work, there's a Zumba class in the gym. I'm just not sure I want a Zumba at work. No, you know, I, that seems like the wrong audience. That would be humiliating, Liz, because it takes a while to learn the steps. Yeah. Um, you yeah. want to uh, you want to go to some some place where they don't know your name. That's where you want to. Start. <laughs> okay, all right. So that's the, those are the baby steps for for 2013. And now for the big wrap up. Okay, tonight the Golden Globes. Um, here's why I'm more excited about the Golden Globes than I would normally be. I feel like this year's Golden Globes is the Satellite Sisters version of the Golden Globes. Yes. Yes. And that's because the hosts are Tina Fey and Amy Poehler, who are obviously two Satellite Sisters, wouldn't you say? Yes. Absolutely. Oh, I cannot wait for tonight with those with those two hosting. It's going to be fun. Fun, it's, fun, fun. It's going to be really fun. I feel like some of the awards I don't even care about, but to watch those two just have fun on stage together. They're obviously such good friends, and they're both so hilarious. So I'm very excited about that with the with the poached salmon from Marmalade. I think it's going to be a big night. And it's going to be very good-humored. I mean, Ricky Gervais, I mean, his whole thing was he was kind of mean-spirited. Um, yeah. But I don't think you're going to find that with the two girls. Nope. I think they're going to, I think it's going to be fun, fun, fun. Uh, and it's going to be just, uh, but nice fun. Yes, I agree. So, well, one of the big categories, which we should talk about a little bit, because you already raised the issue of how much you love Homeland, uh, both of you, in the best television drama category, the nominees are Breaking Bad, which is not really a satellite sister's kind of show. <laughs> I don't uh, want to. Breaking Bad, Boardwalk Empire, The Newsroom, Homeland, and Downton Abbey season Ooh. two, right? Okay. So now you have Homeland going up against Downton Abbey. Exactly. Well, fair. Yeah, that really is unfair because those are, I mean, it should be a split decision. Yes. Two of them should, can when they do that dual awards? <laughs> I don't think they do that because they are already split it to give a different category. They have the comedies in a different uh, category. So well, I, I think Downton Abbey should win uh, purely on, well, it's a fantastic show. We all watch it. We all love it. But it's so popular. It's so wildly popular. And I think Homeland won last year, so I think they should give it to Downton Abbey. Oh, you're so even-handed about things. <laughs> I would like to see Homeland win just because, for as much as I love Downton Abbey, it's great, but it's not It's not the most original kind of thing, right? It's upstairs, downstairs, and Brideshead Revisited, and we love shows like that. Whereas to me, Homeland is like, oh, my God, I can't believe they just did that. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm with you, Liz. So I, so you're, you're voting for Homeland yeah. for a second year. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm solid with that. So then in the television comedy category, the uh, shows that are nominated are The Big Bang Theory, Episodes, which I watch a lot when I'm on airplanes, by the way. That's a very funny show, though I've never watched it on TV. Uh, Girls, Modern Family, and Smash. So- okay. Modern Family's getting a little tired for me. Mm-hmm. I don't. It just it, it just hasn't doesn't have the same spark this season that it had last season. But I saw a couple of episodes of Girls on an airplane, and that is a funny, funny, well written show. I'm going with girls, even though I've only seen three episodes. Julie? I think girls is very original. I think it has sort of an original kind of true voice or sound to it. 
Uh, it's very distinctive, um, and I don't really watch any of the other shows, and I've only seen one episode of Girls, and I liked it, so that, that would have to be my vote. You understand why I don't get invited to the Golden Globes, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, the looking at this list, The Big Bang Theory, mm, no. Episodes, like when you're on an airplane, great. I, I thought I was like the only person in America watching Smash last year, but... I was. There's a term now in television criticism. You've probably heard it called hate watching. Have you heard that term? No, no I have not. Lived. Okay, well, that's what all the TV critics now use as the term for shows they watch, even though they kind of hate them, but they just can't tear their eyes away. So oh. I think that there. I think there are a lot of people that hate watched Smash. Um, but the people in that show are so talented. I got to say, I actually enjoyed Smash. Uh, like you, Monica, I feel like Modern Family is getting a little bit tired. But Girls is, like, it's so, sh- again, shockingly original. I yes. feel like it just is. And so brutally honest in a way that every time I see that Lena Dunham like giving an interview or in the show, she is just willing to put it all out there. So I think, I think I also would vote for girls. Okay. Any other categories you guys are dying to discuss? How about best, uh, best, best, movie. best film. So best motion picture, the comedy musical category is the best exotic Marigold hotel, Les Miserables, Moonrise Kingdom, Oh, I love that. Salmon, fi- salmon fishing in the Yemen. Julie, you saw And that. Silver Linings Playbook. Actually, this is a category where I've seen every single thing nominated. Oh. So, okay, Julie. Julie, you're the one that recommended that I go see Salmon Fishing in the Yemen. Uh, which I enjoyed. I think it's an excellent little movie, but um, among, not competing against Silver Linings Playbook. I really thought that was a fantastic movie, and uh, that would get my vote. Yep. Well, I saw that with you, correct? The, uh, yes, we did. Let's we went to see, we went to see that together as part of my New Year's Day visit to Dallas. We uh, we said that. Yeah, that movie was a lot better than I expected. Monica, um, the only one I saw out of that category was Moonrise Kingdom, which I loved and I thought was very charming. I discussed on the show. Really liked it. I, you know, I just haven't seen a lot of movies this year. Okay. Things. Just didn't work out for me in the movies. <laughs> yes. I usually I can claim that I've seen almost all of them, but this year I, it, I was a little weak, a little weak in some of the categories. So mm-hmm. it'll be a surprise to me who wins. Mm-hmm. Yes, it will, and maybe it will. Be, maybe you'll go see some of these movies yes. based on who wins. Well, in that list, for as, I really, really liked Silver Linings Playbook more than I expected. But I think it's hard to beat Les Miserables for just scope and scale and drama and performances. Okay. I haven't seen it yet, Liz, so mm-hmm. I'll we'll take your word mm-hmm. on that. Yeah, I'd have to go with that one. Which takes me to the best actor category, speaking of Les Miserables. So here are the, the nominees here. Daniel Day-Lewis for Lincoln. Richard Gere for, oh, wait a minute, that's the wrong one. I wanted to talk about the one in the, the one where Hugh Jackman was. Okay, so uh, motion picture comedy. Jack Black and Bernie. Bradley Cooper, Silver Linings Playbook, Hugh Jackman, Les Mis, Ewan McGregor, Salmon Fishing in the Yemen, and Bill Murray, Hyde Park on the Hudson. So, Julie? I don't know. Jack Black and Bernie was pretty darn good, but um, uh, (laughs) I love that movie. But um, I think, again, I thought Silver Linings Playbook was, you know, just outstanding acting all the way around. 
Okay, well, I'm going with Hugh Jackman because... Again, I haven't seen that movie. I know. And once you see it, you'll see he carried that entire movie on his back. Like, he is the... He's the thing that connects the whole story. He's just unbelievably great. So I'm going with Hugh. Monica, you've established that you didn't really see any of these. (laughs) I feel like Liam this year. You know how Liam doesn't see any movie. You know, she just sees the animated films with her kids. I feel very, very out of it this year. I'm so sorry. I did see... Lincoln. Okay, no. Okay, let's discuss Lincoln. What did you think of Lincoln? I loved it. I liked it. I didn't love it. I didn't come away from that movie thinking, "Wow, that was fantastic." Uh, I people that I saw it with in Oregon gave it like a standing. They were clapping and cheering. Really, Daniel Day Lewis, amazing. I like movies about history, so I like that part of it, but. Something about it, I just didn't love it at the end of that movie. That's exactly the way I feel about it. I really, I thought it was very interesting. The performances, Daniel Day-Lewis was fantastic. But, you know, and it was an interesting slice of history that I didn't know very well. Uh, So that part was interesting. I did just find it a little bit boring. Yeah. You know, I guess... And you know, this- I, I had a little problem with Sally Fields. Monica, you mentioned this. This is a bit pinpointed, the issue. The <laughs> Sally Field factor. You just can't have the flying nun in the best picture of the year. Okay? If it had been anyone else but Sally Fields playing that part, I, I think I would have liked the movie more. I just kept focusing on the fact that it was Sally Fields. Well, I think that's true. I don't blame her per se because oh. she was Norma Ray, Julie. So she's, you know, she's moved on from Gidget and, and Sister I know, Betrayal. I know, but, but she's... But somehow she is the one person that did not just fully inhabit her, her character in a way that I totally forgot who they real, really were. She was still Sally Field, but Daniel Day-Lewis was clearly Lincoln and Tommy Lee Jones and all of those other people just kind of got lost in their roles. But she, for me, did not quite pull that off. So that's another reason why Lincoln, maybe that's why I got a little bit bored. I found like, hmm. Okay, so let's end on best motion picture drama. These are some tough choices. Argo, Django Unchained, Life of Pi, Lincoln, and Zero Dark Thirty. Okay, Liz, what is it going to be? Because I've only seen Argo and Zero Dark Thirty. For me, I think... Argo was the best picture of the year. I do too. I thought it was fascinating and smart and funny and original and the performances were great and it's an interesting historical story that we didn't really know much about but just fictionalized enough to make it wildly both suspenseful and entertaining. So even though I really, really liked Zero Dark Thirty, that's just a, uh, but for me, Argo is the total package. Okay, Liz. Good predictions. Monica? Oh, I just told you. Argo. Argo. I I only saw Argo and Lincoln, and I I thought Argo was very, very entertaining, well-directed, the the acting was great. I, I liked it. I loved it a lot. So I want to say one thing about the Oscar nominations. A show, a movie that we recommended here on Satellite Sisters months and months and months ago Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, was the big sleeper hit of the Oscar noms, and that was Beasts of the Southern Wild, right? Yes. 
So if you did not take our advice in like September when we told you to go, go see Beasts of the Southern Wild, I think the Academy has now sort of reinforced our, our recommendation there. I was very happy to see uh, that that movie got so much recognition. Though very sad that Catherine Bigelow did not get a nomination for Zero Dark Thirty. You know, I have a theory about what the, why that happened. Here's my theory. Yes. It's everybody was shopping on the man aisle list. <laughs> no, I think that, I mean, Zero Dark Thirty is an amazing movie, and she cl- clearly should have been nominated. But there's something about the fact that they, well, we already gave her an award. Like, they don't have any problem giving Steven Spielberg best director, like, every few years or, you know, uh, James Cameron or whatever. But they, I think they just felt like, well, we already took care of her. And I think last time... Partly the reason they gave it to her at all is because they were really just voting against her ex-husband, James Cameron. <laughs> so I think in people's minds, they, like, checked off the box. While well, we already gave Catherine Bigelow the recognition she deserves. Let's move on. But, you know, Ang Lee gets another nomination. Steven Spielberg gets another nomination. I don't get it. I, I really don't get it. So, I don't know. That's where I am on that. Uh any other final Golden Globe comments, people? So do anyone else besides me have a menu already picked out for tonight's Globes? No? Uh, no, okay. not, not so much, Liz, but I'm, I'm going to be doing some shopping. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right. Well, uh, welcome to 2013. We want to remind you that our show is available, like, all over the place. You can download it from iTunes. As we were talking at the top of the show, if you get one of the apps, like Stitcher Radio is a really easy way to have our podcasts always on your phone. Um, if you go to, uh, there's Podcast Box is another thing that you can Google, and you can download an app there where Satellite Sisters will always be there. So, you know, embrace it. Embrace the podcasting people and put yourself out there in the world as a podcasting pioneer to convince your friends to come along for the ride. Because we still do get a lot of email asking, like, where can I find you on the radio? Are you surprised how, how many people still ask that question? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So It's an eternal question, Liz. There yeah. you have it. So we are totally findable, and we can totally be listened to, but you're just going to have to embrace uh, the podcast world. But it's easier than you think. Uh, okay, so... Um, Next week, we'll do our best to be back, right? Yes. Right? We're going to work, work with a team of experts to help <laughs> Sheila to unmute, <laughs> unmute the button. mute button. Right. And Lincoln is hard at work writing her novel, so she'll be back when, that's, when she turns in the manuscript. Yes, which is due to be done this month, right? She had to get a couple of extensions, but I think January, this is it. And I noticed she there was something in her Twitter feed today that just, it was like words like, Endings are hard. So I get the feeling she's writing the ending to her novel. <laughs> uh, and remember, you can follow us on Facebook. Join um, join the Satellite Sisters Facebook group. There's all kinds of conversation that goes on there uh, during the week, even between shows. So we'd love to see you interact there. And you can follow us on Twitter. Uh, if you tweet, we are at Sat Sisters, and I am at SS Liz. Um, Leon is at Leon Dolan. So, do you got either of you guys have a Twitter handle yet? 
No, I'm not no. twittering. Okay, all right. <laughs> That's your policy. <laughs> anyway, okay. Enjoy tonight's telecast, sisters. You too, Liz. Have fun. Great to talk with you, Monica. Yeah. Let's root for Tina and Amy, no matter what else happens on that show. And don't forget, call your satellite sister.